Welcome everyone to that special moment podcast. I am Armand and today I have the pleasure to have on the show Sarah Sims, a woman with much rhythm to share. And don't take my word for it and instead listen to her music. So without further ado, let's listen to her. Sarah Sims, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on your show today. The pleasure is mine, Sarah. Uh, Sarah, I always start uh, my podcast with the same question. And I would like to know on your own terms and with your own words, who is Sarah Sims? Sarah Sims, that's my name. I'm a DJ and electronic music producer. I'm a multi-instrumentalist, I would say, with a passion for music technology. That's very interesting because uh, you, have a, you are a multifaceted woman. You do a lot of things, you know. Um, Turntablist, DJ, you mentioned it. You produce your own music. And this is really interesting. And I'm very curious uh, to know how uh, does it come that you decided to do this specific activity? How did I start to DJ? Or how yeah, how do you start it with music? Is it something that uh, you were interested uh, uh, at first sight? Is it something that um, you decided to do it along the way? Uh, what makes you turn your attention and your focus on being a DJ and producing your own music and uh, uh, producing yourself around the world uh, in different shows and, and different uh, festivals? Well, I grew up with music. Music was always a part of my family. Both my parents are musicians. So mm -hmm. I can honestly say music is in my blood. They really gave me my love and, and my, my passion for music. So I grew up playing keyboards and later on went uh, onto the guitar and really spent a lot of years studying jazz guitar. And I would say that... Uh, when I was in my late teens, I went to, I started going to some rave parties and experienced the, the dance music scene, the DJ scene. And one of the first times that I saw a DJ, I really, I was attracted to what they were doing. And I really wanted to know more about what they were doing. And mm -hmm. I changed my course a little bit from being a jazz guitar player. And I decided mm -hmm. to focus more on, on DJing. And I focused on DJing and turntablism for the first couple of years of my career. And recently now I've gotten to production. I would say the past five years and certainly um, in the past couple of years, I've really focused more on developing all my my own material my own body of work and I'm just inspired to keep on creating to keep on focusing on my sounds and I want to share that with people which is why I'd like to uh, and why I have expanded to around the world and do you think uh, Sarah that uh, uh, you choose to make music or is it the music who chose you? The music chose me. Yeah. You, you could not escape. 100%. 
no it's like it was like a magnet it's like drawing me in I think if you're a, a true musician that's something that's really in your heart and there's not really any other choices in life it's not like you wake up one day and you say oh, I'm going to be a doctor <laughs> you know or I'm going to be a scientist right you just you know that you're on this musical path kind of no matter what happens so the, the music really chose me, you know, because of the environment I grew up in, the family I was, I was uh, given, right? Everyone in my life, you know, has, has been kind of placed in my life. So I was able to be successful at music. For me, it looks like uh, um, switching from uh, jazz to, uh, to being a, a DJ. It's something completely different. How did you cope with that? I would say it was it was pretty easy. You know, I was when I was a teenager, I was studying at Humber College. I had the pleasure of studying with many of Canada's greatest jazz players, such as Lurlovsky, Rob Bulger. But I just wasn't as interested in practicing my guitar as I was on, on practicing my turntables. Around the same time, I started to acquire some DJ equipment, and I was just so drawn to the electricity of of playing records and and mixing sets and scratching that to me was a lot more exciting than playing jazz guitar as much as I love jazz. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just where my attention went. For, for me, from uh, looking from outside, it looks like when somebody is um, using the turntable, it's just uh, being led by his spirit, by his mood. Um, uh, and in guitar, you, you have all those, um, let's say, uh, it looks more structured, the guitar, than the, using the turntable. Uh, is it, uh, let's say, and uh, don't take it personally, but uh, it looks like, uh, uh, to me, is the lazy part of uh, of uh, of music you know you go to the turntable and you say how oh, does it sound oh i like what i'm doing here huh? this i like this groove rather than uh, being structured and studying the guitar and you know you have to do your scales and uh, you have to practice a lot and then you have to remember those scales then you have to uh, to let yourself improvise with the with the guitar it looks like all this part is um, is gone through the window and it's easier, let's say, uh, to interpret your feelings with the turntable. I can, I can 100% understand that perspective. I know that you're a guitar player as well, as am I. <laughs> so I, can, I certainly understand where you're coming from with there. I would say there's, there's, there's almost like different levels of DJing. Like when DJing started, mm-hmm. it was just a DJ mixing two different records together, mm-hmm. right? And that can be a very uh, beautiful thing. That's kind of one level of DJing. As DJing developed, there's also a whole branch called turntablism, which is the art of using the turntable as a musical instrument. Mm-hmm scratching so you can create your own percussive rhythms you can play with different 
sorts of sounds. You know, if you're very talented, you can scratch melodies. So you can mm -hmm. be a part of a band as a turntablist. And I think if you really start to get into the art of DJing, you can use harmonic mixing to mix together up to four tracks because mixers, most mixers only have four channels. And actually what I do as, as a techno DJ is I'm always improvising when I'm playing. I'm taking tiny little parts of the track, loops of the track, and I'm mixing those together with other tracks to make something completely new. And then on top of that, I'm also using effects to transform the sound so you can get something that's not like the original record at all. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. something that's made in the moment. It's something that's made for the moment. And it's something that will not happen again. Mm -hmm. And I learned this technique uh, from watching a Canadian DJ named Richie Houghton play. He's the master, I would say, of one of the masters of four deck mixing. Mm -hmm. And I spent many years kind of watching his techniques as he was playing. And he's always improvising. He's always doing something new. No two sets are the same. Mm -hmm. So I would say in that vein, actually, the style of DJing that I focus on it takes a lot of uh, inspiration from jazz culture and the art of improvising and being able to create something new on the spot. It's very funny because uh, when I listen to you, it, it looks um, more than music. It looks like uh, uh, you're an alchemist for mix mixing all those uh, different things. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I mean, as a DJ, one exciting thing is I don't even know what I'm going to play. <laughs> I'll always have some convenient, idea you know, <laughs> you know where sense. I'm starting the set. Right. But I think when you when you arrive at a venue and you start to play and you see the people that are there, you really feed off the energy and you can kind of decide where to take your crowd. And, and sometimes the crowd might have uh, an influence on you as well. Right. And it's something new every time. You produce yourself in many different parts, many different festivals. I mentioned it already. I would like to know where was the point when you thought to yourself, say, okay, Sarah, now you're ready to, um, to produce yourself in front of a thousand of people. I don't think there's ever really a point where you're ready. I think sometimes you're just put in that position. Mm -hmm. You're not put in that position, you know, before you're ready. But I don't think as an artist, you ever really think like, oh, I'm ready for this, right? It's just that the opportunity is given to you when it's given to you. And it's up to you to say yes or no, mm -hmm. right? So, so yeah. let me re re rephrase it, if you don't mind. Uh, when did you uh, did you thought okay I have enough musical background to make a show and I want to do it? Well, I would say, like as a DJ, as an artist, I've been playing shows since I I first started DJing. Really, mm -hmm. you know, six months a year into this journey, 
once people found out that I started DJing, they started asking me to play at different mm-hmm. events, parties, you know, they started off smaller. Actually, one of the first events I did was a festival. All right. <laughs> but yeah. And I think as an artist, you kind of get a taste for what you like and where you see yourself going. Right. And, and what type of events that you would like to be performing at. So it's just a matter of sometimes reaching out mm-hmm. and, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be given that opportunity. And I think once you have an opportunity, it's up to you to work hard and practice lots so that when you do have the chance for this big show, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're good enough to be there, right? You have something that the people uh, want to hear and listen to, you know, and as a performer, you're confident with your performance and you're confident on stage. Uh, DJs, uh, let's say it's um, it's something which is relatively new if you compare it to music or you compare it to uh, to jazz. Uh, do you think the f- the fact that uh, uh, you are a woman was an asset for you because it makes you stand out from the crowd and uh, mm, uh, that gives you an, an edge on when people are li- are looking for artists to um, um, to go to festivals. I think it, to be honest, I think perhaps it, it may have, mm-hmm. but also to be honest, I never thought twice about it. <laughs> right. When I first started DJing, there was a lot fewer, substantially fewer female DJs mm-hmm. than there are now. I think these days there's a lot of uh, female artists and producers. There's still not as many as men uh, as there are men, but there's a lot more. When I started, I could think of two that were in Canada. I had two inspirations, mm-hmm. Sydney Blue and another artist named Killajoule, a turntablist. And those were the only two women who I knew who were practicing DJ arts. So I wanted to get into it. And, but I, I never really thought to myself like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a girl doing this. I'm going to be different or this is going to be challenging for me, or there's going to be more barriers or I'm going to do better because I'm a woman. I never thought of that. I just thought like, I want to be on stage playing records, (laughs) you know? And these days it's like, I want to be in the studio, like making records. And when I hear cool tracks, it's like, Oh, I I want to, that's really inspiring. I want to make some more tracks that sound as good as that. Mm -hmm. So I, I never really, it's not something I consider, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a person doing this and I'm doing this because I love music. I love working with sound and, and working with melodies and notes and harmonies and rhythms and, and electronic and also incorporating um, acoustic music into that as well. And how did you need to, to develop yourself? I mean, the, the artist to be invited uh, in bigger and bigger festivals. How, um, how did you manage that? It's, it's all your connections. They say it's who you know, but it's also who knows you, mm-hmm. right? So, and it's also, I would say like circle of, of friends, like, yes, it is a music business, but a lot of opportunities are given to you by your peers 
by your friends, by someone who likes you. They either like your music or they like you as a person. And, you know, they kind of watch your development. Mm -hmm. And then when they're, when they're ready to work with you, you know, uh, they'll reach out. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes you reach out as well. But a lot of times it's, it's, it's them reaching out to you and you just build up like any other business, you build up your network over time, right? Your network of contacts and in electronic music, I think there's lots of ways to connect with people. There's, um, there's conferences that go on, there's online conferences, uh, there's in-person conferences when the world is working properly, right? There's, uh, you can reach out to someone by email, right? And you can start a relationship just from there, or, you know, you can meet someone at a festival, you can meet an artist, you can stay in touch with them. So really you can develop these relationships <laughs> anyway. You can develop them through social media. You could meet someone through social media or yeah. online and things could go somewhere, right? So, <laughs> you know, you never know, right? All right. So basically, you are very much uh, uh, browsing around and uh, looking for uh, for opportunities, right? Well, I think I'm blessed enough that at this point in my career, the opportunities are looking for me. Myself, I'm more focused on on making music, music. Mm-hmm. but because I've been an artist for a long time, I would say that. I get a lot of people coming to me and asking me, you know, will I, these days it's like, will I be a part of their live stream? Right. Because that's the point we're at with the DJ industry, but I've had a lot Mm -hmm. of people and a lot of companies come to me, you know, because they, they wanted to work together. That's a good problem to have people coming to you (laughs) and uh, asking you uh, if you can perform for them. I have a curiosity, and what was the reaction of your parents when you first uh, make them listen to your creations? Because this is normally always the most critic of uh, of public, and uh, as a ch- as a child, you always fear the reaction of your parents. You know, when you do something uh, which perhaps doesn't uh, match what they were, uh, what their their plan was for your development, you know, professional development. I would say it was a hundred percent support and love. Mm-hmm. My parents are both, uh, they're not just big supporters. I think they're big fans. Mm-hmm. If I release something new, if I make something new, when I make a post, they're two of the first people to be, you know, liking. And that's my daughter. Them. That's my daughter. <laughs> you know, buying a track, but also more than that too. Like I'm still living in an area where I live close to my dad. Mm-hmm. So for the first 10 years, he was the, the person who came to all my shows and helped me set up. And, and I've also worked with my, my sister too, since the very early days, she's my creative director and she mm-hmm. does all my graphic design. So really these people were, um, they're my, they're my backbone, <laughs> you know? And I think any time in my career where things got difficult, you know, both parents, mm-hmm. they would say, you know, don't quit, you know, mm-hmm. stick with this. This is what you chose. You know, you need to stick with this and and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. 
when we were uh, preparing uh, this uh, episode, uh, you were talking to me about uh, your European experience and uh, particularly in, uh, in Germany, in Berlin. And uh, can you uh, elaborate a little bit more? Because uh, it has been quite an interesting uh, experience, right? Oh, it was a great experience. <laughs> yeah, I love Europe. I think Europe has a lot of opportunity for for dance music artists and for any artist really who's not focusing on on making like commercial pop music. Mm-hmm. So I decided this was about 10 years ago that I decided to move to Berlin. And I went there because Berlin is really the techno city, right? That's where that's one of the cities where techno is most popular. Mm-hmm. So in order to, you know, to fully explore the sound that I was curious about more, I I had to be there, right? I just had to go and I had to say goodbye to everything in my life in Canada, you know, to go and live my dream of, of trying to make it in Berlin. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, very interesting time. I got to go to all sorts of amazing kind of like underground venues because Berlin has all these really cool kind of like left of center kind of just clubs and, and, and places, right. Mm -hmm. Where things are kind of always going on. So it was, it was um, a really interesting experience. Uh, Unfortunately I had to leave because the experience didn't really go as planned, it wasn't as easy as I thought to mm-hmm. make it as an artist in Europe the first time around. And financially, I wasn't in the right place to be staying there for, you know, a long period of time. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, plan out everything, let's say, right? And and it's not easy when you try to immigrate to a different country because mm-hmm. everything that mm-hmm. you've done in your home country people don't really care about when you go somewhere else, right? All your credentials, you're just, you have to start again from nothing, right? And and build up your network again of all different people. So after six months, I, I went back to Canada and I really learned, I think, some good lessons about, you know, building your, your foundation and, you know, making sure that you were uh, financially stable as an artist and, and able to keep yourself afloat, right, as you work on your craft. I think as creatives, right, some people, they're not as concerned maybe always about all those things. But, you know, I think it's, um, I learned a lot of, of great lessons and I got to meet also a lot of amazing, amazing people, you know, who are, uh, who are doing dance music in Berlin. It's it's very interesting because you left everything um, you knew. You went for the unknown, and it's always yes. a difficult uh, um, step to take. You know, to go somewhere you don't know anyone, you don't know the language. You have to cope with many uh, things that are basically unknown to you. And to this respect, I would like to know what is more paralyzing: is it the fear of failure or the fear of success? Interesting question. Um, I want to say have no fear. (laughs) You can't be afraid of either outcome. You know, I think whatever you have to do, uh, whatever you're meant to do in life, you need to be brave and courageous. And you can't fear either success or failure. 
right? I think it's it's important to embrace success. You know, you never want to be afraid of failing. Yeah. And, you know, you're never going to have success at anything unless you try. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to, if you want to become successful, you need to be trying and there are going to be failures along the way, right? I think even very successful people, everything that they do is not necessarily their biggest hit, Right it's impossible, right? Mm -hmm. To be successful, as successful as you always are 100% of the time, right? Mm -hmm. So, but um, myself personally, I'm not afraid of, of failing at something and I'm not afraid of success, right? So when you start something, uh, you say the worst, the worst that can happen is that uh, I hate success, right? <laughs> yes, I, I suppose so. Yeah. Well, I mean, the worst that can happen is nothing happens, you know, mm. with whatever whatever project you're doing, right? Like the worst that can happen is things go nowhere, right? And it ends up draining you know your resources and your time and you always want to be careful not to invest too much into something that's really not going anywhere right um but i think you always want you want to strive for success right i think i don't think that's ever something that you should be anyone should be afraid of right because i think it's important as people you know we grow and we do whatever it is we're meant to be doing here in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, you really want to try to reach as many people as you can with what you're doing and your message. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And talking about reaching a lot of people, as many as you can uh, with uh, your, uh, your heart uh, and uh, uh, what you are doing. Have you ever thought about uh, writing uh, a book about your specific way of uh, music uh, composition or compositing? That's a very good idea. I haven't thought of writing a book about my own music practices, but perhaps someday. I have thought of starting to write. Uh, I'll tell you one idea. I have started, I have so many stories from you know, the past 20 years of being in the music business, mm-hmm. I have started about documenting some of these stories because some of them are unbelievable, but they did happen. Yes. And then some of them are just very, very humorous. Mm-hmm. So I, I have had that idea. But the idea to write a book about uh, my specific techniques yes. is, is a great one. Your legacy, Sarah Sims' legacy. Yes. The Sound true. of Legacy by Sarah Sims. good good i know also that you've been teaching um, uh, your craft right yes you have uh, you have taken the time to um to open the eyes or to open the ears of some of your students and uh, make them um uh, understand what it is to create music understand what are the challenging understand the uh, what needs to be done in order to be successful in this specific area. Is it something that you wanted to give back to the people? This is something to say, I wish when I started I w- uh, to have 
had all those information like this, it will have made my learning curve uh, less steep, and it uh, it will have shortened my uh, my learning uh, my learning path. Well, I would I would say that one thing I'm very grateful for is teachers and mentors in my mm -hmm. life. Some of them, you know, I wish had come into my life a lot earlier, but I guess I wasn't ready for them because mm -hmm. we say we. We meet the teacher when we're ready to meet them, right? It is. It so is. We, everything happens at exactly the right time, right? Mm -hmm. um, I haven't ever thought to myself, oh, I need to give back. You know, that hasn't been, I, I would say, one of the, the big fuels. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, something that I wake up in the morning and I think about, I need to teach to give back. I have always had a lot of people uh, coming to me for lessons, asking me how to do things. You know, I taught guitar lessons for a number of years. I've taught hundreds of people how to play the guitar. <laughs> and I have also taught a lot of people. I've taught also hundreds of people how to DJ. And I've also I recently started teaching production the past couple mm -hmm. of years as well. I work together with different software companies. Right now I'm working very closely with a company called Mixed in Key. So almost on a daily basis, I'm teaching educators and Ableton Live certified trainers around the world on how to use our award-winning plugins. Mm -hmm. So, and I never really, you know, pushed for these opportunities or asked for them, but they just came to me, right? Like, people are always kind of coming to me with new ideas. And I have a lot of online workshops that I'm doing this summer with different production schools with Point Blank in London and a couple other schools, just teaching people. So I think I'm a natural teacher. I come by it honestly with two parents who are music teachers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've been very lucky to have been taught electronic music by some great teachers mm -hmm. uh, my friend John Lamagna taught me a lot and uh, the world's top ghost producer Martin Vorak he's also been my teacher and mentor so I learned mm -hmm. a lot from him and recently I learned from two Brazilian artists Anna and Weba so I think all this information that has come to me I just need to somehow communicate it back you mm -hmm. know in mm -hmm. some way shape or form whether that's individuals coming to me or schools coming to me but I think that no matter what I what I go on to do there's I'm going to continue you know to um to help out the music community by doing some form of of education I wouldn't mm -hmm. say it's a, mm -hmm. it's a focus of mine but it just seems to go hand in hand with whatever I'm doing you know for whatever reason <laughs> Let, let me um, let's change completely topics, okay? So when you when you mix in, when you're out from Canada or when you are on those festivals and uh, you're far away from home, uh, do you have any specific wine you like to drink when chilling? No. <laughs> you're more, you're more a, a water type of woman, right? Uh, water and coffee. Well, I, I would say I'm a big drinker. The odd time, 
if, you know, if I'm out with a friend or something, I might have a glass of wine or something. I would say it's mostly water and coffee. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, sorry. I I can't comment on the favorite wine. I do have, I have some neighbors who have introduced me to some very, very good wines Mm -hmm. and I can't think of any of the names offhand, but yeah, sorry, no, no favorite wines. Perhaps ask me in a couple of years, maybe my answer will be different. Will change, maybe. <laughs> maybe in a couple of years we make uh, just a podcast about wine. <laughs> Do you have a favorite wine? Uh, I like r- red wine. Um, it's not. Um, uh, let's say I don't have a specific type uh, of brand, if so to speak. Uh, of wine, but I like to enjoy the occasional uh, red wine with, uh, with friends. So I'm not also, um, I'm more a guy of it, I'm more a tea guy, okay? okay? Japanese tea, I'm more this kind of guy. And oh, of course, wow. uh, of course, water. And mint tea, I have uh, an inclination to uh, for, for mint tea, all right? Mint tea is very tasty. Yeah, you can also do it with the fresh mint. And it's this is what mint. I do always with fresh mint. So uh, this is uh, something I particularly enjoy. So this is the little bit about me. Tell me, okay. uh, is there a topic that you would like to share with uh, the audience, uh, but something that, that is close to to your heart, if any? Let me think here. Well, one thing I would like to share is I also, in addition to my music, I have a comic book series. Really? It's called called The Future Prophecy. Yes. And it's a comic book series that I created with my sister. We wrote the series together Mm -hmm. and we actually started this project when I came back from my Berlin trip. And the series features uh, all the the characters are based off of the characters are DJs and electronic music producers. And (laughs) we based them off of artists that we met in the music scene, specifically Toronto. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's another kind of. Another facet of you. Yeah, that I have. And we, uh, we created three issues of the comic book. Mm -hmm. The first one has an accompanying track and the issues are in English and Japanese. Nice. Interesting. Yes. Now, um, a question that I did not ask and uh, you would have loved I ask. One question that you did not ask. something very, very interesting that you feel it's something every single person having an interview with you should ask you. Something that's very interesting that someone should ask. Or maybe not. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just trying to think of a good question here. Uh, here's something interesting. You should ask me about, uh, I would have loved if you asked some of the equipment that I use. Because one thing I certainly love is my equipment. All right. So let me let me ask you something like that about the equipment. Okay. Uh, is, is it, you know, as you know, in guitar, a lot of people say, no, no, you, you just start with this guitar. And afterwards, as you progress along the way, we'll um, provide you with a proper instrument. Okay. And as you know, the most important uh, moment or point is when somebody is, um, is starting music and the person needs to have a proper instrument since the world go. You know, like we say in Europe, and I believe in other parts of the world as well, we say the best worker have the best tools. Is it the same? And I believe it is the same uh, when you are a DJ. Uh, you should have really um, a professional quality material in order to be able to exploit uh, your craft and uh, to um, really uh, get uh, the very spin of what you're doing. 100%. I think it's important to always buy the best you can afford. I actually don't agree with the the... Uh, philosophy that you start with something cheap and then as you get better you get something good I think if you're serious about something you know you should save up some money and you should really try to buy the best you can afford from mm -hmm. from the get-go right yeah. I think the more that you enjoy uh, playing an instrument or you know working with some equipment the more you're going to do it, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's say you want to be a guitarist, for example, and you start with some cheap guitar where the strings, the action is high, so the strings are very far away from the frets, and it's so hard to play it that your fingers get twice or three times as sore, you know? Whereas if you had a good quality instrument, it would be a little bit easier to play, and you would enjoy practicing on it more. Yes. So uh, with something like DJing too, I think that there are some good kind of like entry level, mm -hmm. uh, some entry level equipment, but even within that, you know, you want to get something that's at least like semi-professional, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Something that's going to include all the features that you would see on, on a high-end professional mixer, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you go to play in a club, generally you're you're not going to be playing on your own equipment you know unless you're able to take that with you yeah. right you're going to be playing on whatever is there right which is going to be some industry standard mixer so if you're not used to working with something like that then you're not going to know what to do with it right <laughs> so um in the studio i i try to uh, work with all the best tools and all the best brands. Mm -hmm. I use Genelec monitors. Uh, my sound cards are all by Universal Audio. And I have some great synthesizers as well uh, by Analog Solutions and by Moog. And uh, I have a lot of software actually because I'm making electronic music and I don't have yeah. a lot of 
space for a lot of, at, at least in my current home studio, I don't have space for a lot of outboard equipment. So I've really tried to invest in a lot of different plugins mm-hmm. and really work on, on sound design. So I use a whole range of uh, plugins from Universal Audio to Cable Guys uh, to Waves. I started working uh, with a couple new companies as well, Kosh Audio, trying out some audio damage plugins. So I really try to invest heavily into the tools to make sure that I have the best tools because those, once you know how to use them, <laughs> they're really going to mm-hmm. empower you to make music sound good right so and dj wise uh, i have a great allen and heath mixer mm-hmm. it's a, a zone 96 and then i have a pair of allen and heath controllers and then i have an old vestex turntable it's a mm-hmm. japanese mm-hmm. brand of turntable that's not around anymore so so it's a collector yeah, yeah and then as far as guitars go i play fender a Fender Stratocaster, yeah. US else? standard. What else? Huh? So, yeah, and I mean, all that, you know, your equipment really, it does contribute to your sound, mm-hmm. right? It's uh, it's like cooking, right? Whatever you put into it, right? Uh, the quality of the ingredients, let's say, right, is going to determine what your, what your creation is. Mm-hmm. You know, like plus your talent, right? You know, you can have good, mm-hmm. good, also good tools, but if you don't, um, if you're not disciplined and you haven't spent the time learning how to use them, right? Um, then you're not going to make something that sounds yeah. really good. So it's a combination of having the good tools, but then also having the skill set, right? Mm-hmm. And making sure that you're practicing, you know, as often as you can, yeah. working with with all your tools, you know, so you develop this good daily regimen of of repetition, right? And mm-hmm. creating, mm-hmm. practicing, right? And one day you're just going to come up with something brilliant, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, uh, Sarah, tell me, um, for the people which are interested to have uh, more information about you, to know more about your craft, about your creations, um, where they can find it. So you can find me on all my music on Spotify. You can search mm-hmm. me, Sarah Sims. Right. You can also uh, look on my SoundCloud. It's soundcloud.com slash Sarah Sims. All right. And I'm also on all the social media sites as well. So right. you can I'm at Sarah Sims and Facebook. I'm DJ Sarah Sims. I'm on Twitter and on YouTube as well. Sarah mm-hmm. Sims Music. Good. So if, uh, also, I'm so sorry. If, no problem. If, so if people are, uh, we have a very famous festival here in, uh, in Switzerland, in the French speaking part, I believe, you know, it is a Paleo festival. So if, uh, you want to be uh, on the Paleo Festival. So I invite the people uh, making the program to get in touch with, uh, with you, Sarah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. So, Sarah, thank you very much uh, to have spent the time to talk uh, for that special moment. 
Well, really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you the success you rightly so deserve. Well, thank you very much for your kind wishes. And thank you for having me on your podcast today. Thank you to have been such a wonderful guest, uh, Sarah. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.